Hey there, Matt here. Before we get started, just want to let you know that we will be sprinkling some book knowledge into our podcast. Don't worry, they will not spoil any aspect of the story. They're just more supplementary. However, if you're a person who absolutely hates book reader knowledge in your TV talk, then this podcast probably isn't for you. Also, we're sorry. Anyway, here's the podcast. Hope you enjoy Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. It's a free show! <laughs> <laughs> and the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. It's a free show! Yes! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Welcome back to Before the Dragon Podcast. Matt here with you. Just a reminder, as our bumper up front reminded you, this is a free show. We don't ask for any kind of financial support around here for the things that we do. And we're trying to produce as much content for you as we can regarding House of the Dragon, which, by the way, we are covering Season 1, Episode 6 of House of the Dragon, which I think is titled The Princess and the Queen, but don't quote me on that. Definitely you can quote me on the fact that it was written by Sarah Hess and directed by one of the showrunners, Miguel Shaposhnik. So he returned basically to direct a second pilot, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was really uh, it because we had made such a huge time jump of 10 years and we have recasted a lot of characters it felt like a a new introduction to these characters and not in a bad way i feel like that they did carry things over pretty well the transition uh seems fairly seamless except allison seems a lot more aggressive which i guess was indicative of the way that emily carey did that very last episode uh episode five where she was, you know, had had felt betrayed in her own and realized that uh, everything that she had supported regarding Rhaenyra uh, was fodder to Rhaenyra in some ways. Uh, so you started to see that streak come through when she called Rhaenyra stepdaughter in the last episode. And in this one, uh, I don't even know if she really considers her family anymore. Alicent is definitely... Uh, protecting her son all of her sons um and her daughter Aegon uh in particular she tells him specifically that he you know he needs to straighten up and fly right because all they need is a single excuse uh and that he has to you know be ready to be king he has to become ready to be king because just like her father had told her at the beginning of episode five, she believes that Rhaenyra will kill her kids if she does not uh, seize the reign for them, I suppose. And you see her resisting Rhaenyra all throughout. But that's not even really the big headline in this. I was just saying that you have to kind of draw a little bit stronger line to see how much time has passed. And I suppose these feelings that Allison have has in regards to Rhaenyra has in fact magnified over those years as well. And uh, it seems that Rhaenyra has not changed a whole lot. Uh, her boys all have black of hair, 
which even 200 years later, Ned realizes there's something wrong here. If you've got two people with light hair, where's the genetic, where's the geneticist? Where's Mari Povich? Who is the father? Uh, That feels like what's going on here. And Allison's trying to prove it to her husband, the king, Viserys. He's not wanting to see it. And so, therefore, uh, it's very frustrating for Allison. More on all of that in a little bit. The two big headlines, of course, is that there are two birth scenes that very reminiscent. One, just in the way that it looked, and the other in the circumstances, very reminiscent to the very first pilot episode, which is another reason why I, I consider this a second pilot. We have Rhaenyra, of course, having her baby, who is going to be named Joffrey by Lenor, without asking Rhaenyra. And we have the the failed birth with Lena having a child. Interestingly enough, people involved in those births also died by fire in this episode. When you consider uh, Harwin Strong, who is definitely the father of these kids for certain uh, of Rhaenyra's kids, uh, we see that Lenor's tendency has not changed at all. And why should they? I mean, he can't help that he was born that way. And uh, because his tendencies hasn't changed, Rhaenyra has had to find somebody else to give her heirs. And there seems to be a genuine relationship there. Harwin uh, is really, I don't know, maybe it was telegraphed just a little bit too much, uh, but he's really invested in his sons, it would seem. So, Uh, It's to the point where Kristen Cole, who has become a complete jerk uh, because everything that happened with Rhaenyra has completely changed him. And Allison evidently was the one to save him, which we never get the answer as to how or why. Uh, But she has Kristen Cole basically not having to kill himself, not having to even leave the Kingsguard. And he essentially starts a fight with Harwin simply for the purpose of proving that Harwin might be the father of Rhaenyra's kids. Uh, what a jerk, you know. And, and then he just he makes it look really bad by not even really fighting back with Harwin. And that is very hurtful in itself. But the biggest story that comes out of all of that for me is Larry's. And we were going to talk about Larry's a lot last week. Again, I apologize that we did not have time to talk to you last week, thanks to something that happened to me. But everything's cool now, so I'm going to talk at you, and we're going to have our full panel. Maybe we can bring some of this stuff up again. A really interesting YouTube that I think everybody who has a little bit of book knowledge, and if you don't have a, a whole lot of book knowledge, then maybe you want to avoid it. But Uh, If you have a little, even just a little bit of book knowledge, a wonderful YouTube video by Joe Magician, Magician, if I can say that name properly, uh, who did the video covering Laris Strong actually right before last week's episode aired. And then Insider uh, Magazine, Web Magazine, whatever they are. They put together an article which credited his video, which I watched and I thought was fantastic, 
but talking about how because Larry's and the Strong family, as we saw, are from Heron Hall. Uh, there's a lake nearby there that has uh, rumors to be a holdout. And I think you can even hear some of this in the uh, Game of Thrones Blu-ray uh, histories and lore section. But there's a lake near Heron Hall where uh, allegedly uh, what they call green men, which we can translate probably to be children of the forest, um, still guarded a whole bunch of woods. It's where the treaty between the first men and the children of the forest was signed. Regardless of any of that, I mean, you don't need to know any of that, but it's possible that Larry's may have learned from some people that we think of as green men as to how to warg, or perhaps he had that ability already. Uh, a great comparison is uh, if Bran hadn't fallen from the tower and become paralyzed, would he have had uh, the abilities that he ended up getting? Or uh, if you want to look at the fact that Larry's may not have extreme powers like that, he may still have some powers uh, not unlike Jojen. And that's how he knew about Rhaenyra in the first place and kind of planted the seed in Allison's head that something had happened between Rhaenyra and Damon. And it turned out that when Kristen Cole admitted that it was her and him, uh, I would imagine that Kristen Cole, that's another reason why he became a jerk because he suddenly realizes that he may not have been the only one. <laughs> not a good enough reason to do what he does. I don't think, I think he's a complete jerk. Uh, especially beating up on little kids this particular episode. I'm rambling some more. I want to get back to Larry's. Is it possible that Larry's is a green seer himself, kind of like Jojen? Uh, and again, you can point to the physical, uh, the clubfoot thing. That's a physical limitation um, that seems to be associated with a lot of people who can conduct magic in George's world. So it's a great video by Joe Magician. It doesn't get too spoilery. <laughs> in the way of what might happen in this particular series. But again, if you're a person who doesn't like a whole lot of book things that might point you in a certain direction, uh, then you may want to avoid it. But I would heavily endorse it uh, if you've read any bit of Fire and Blood or uh, if you're just interested in A Song of Ice and Fire in general. But this guy, Larry's, I mean, you definitely see the emblem from his cane on the guy who is watching Harwin come to Harrenhal, I did not really see Lord Lionel with him when they came passed by. And so I was a little surprised to find that the hand of the king, who Alicent mentions in her dinner with Larry's, that she wishes her father was back because he would be partial to her as opposed to... Uh, Larry's father, Lionel, who is seems pretty impartial in general. Uh, she wants her father back. She wants daddy back as the hand. And uh, rather than, you know, just saying, well, I'm, I'm so sorry or anything like that. No, nah, Larry's actually uh, just has his brother and his father off in a fire in Harrenhal. I, I mean, clearly that's what's happening there with the with the again, the emblem that you see. 
It's one of those prisoners that he went down and, and kind of cut their tongue out so that they can never tell anybody anything about what they did um, unless they can write it down. And maybe if they're common criminals, maybe they don't have an, their their writing skills, although you don't know for sure. So it may come back to haunt Larry's at some point, but it's it's the perfect scenario. Folks, if you think that Larry's uh, is just doing this uh, for himself, I, I think about it this way. He gets Hall now. Both his father and his older brother are dead. He now inherits Hall. I don't know why you would want to inherit a cursed place like that, but he gets that. So, so there's one thing. Another thing is he uh, has now entrapped Alicent into his own little ploy here by her knowing that he caused this she is now slightly under his control and he's put evidently right now he's put all of his all of his eggs into Allison's basket so he's going to do everything he can to upset Rhaenyra and whatever and he seems like he's been that way from the start when he brought up the whole thing about Rhaenyra and Damon. And I love this. I, I think that anybody who thought Otto Hightower was the little finger of this series should really take a look in the mirror now and say, no, had the wrong guy as the person who is really causing a stir in Westeros right now. That is Larry Strong. Um, I don't know where I would put Otto now. Averis, because he's thinking about the realm. Maybe he's more of Averis. Uh, where, where would, does it, does it even matter at this point? Otto is going to be back. Larry's is going to still be there. And Rhaenyra has run off to Dragonstone, uh, because she feels like that she, she had to, as her husband, uh, Lenora said, you know, when a sailor sees a storm coming, he gets out of its way. And I think that's what, uh, Rhaenyra finally understands that this kind of dual life that she and Lenore have been leading um, can do nothing but cause further trouble, especially after she tr proposes the betrothal of her son Jace to the betrothal uh, to Allison's daughter Helena, who was really good with bugs, much better with bugs than I would ever be. By the way, uh, I adored all of these kids. By the way, I thought that they were great. I don't understand why Aemond was being so mean, or pardon me, Aegon was being so mean to his little brother Aemond, especially in regards to uh, the dragon stuff. That was just mean to do to your brother uh, and very hurtful. And of course, uh, Aemond himself ends up nearly getting fried because, you know, he feels um, that the whole, <laughs> the pink dread. What a great joke. Uh, but it, nonetheless, uh, it was really mean. And then, of course, Allison is constantly defending her oldest son, Aegon. He's like, he wouldn't do this. Uh, and in fact, that he did do it. Uh, or it seems like he was leading Jace uh, into this. And so, yeah, that that's awfully mean. I don't quite understand that. I've been drifting off and on the subjects. The other birth, or unsuccessful birth, regards uh, Lena, who has been married to Damon. And over the last 10 years, it looks like they've had two girls. 
who are uh, Reyna and Bela, I believe were their names. I'm going to have to take some corrections from you all on all of this stuff if you want. But this is a big change. Well, not a big change. It, it's a change um, from the stories that we hear in Fire and Blood. I'm not mad by it. I think it's fantastic that they gave Lena some agency in this for very early on in the episode when we first see that they are, I guess, in Pintos at, or wherever it is that they are. Uh, this Prince Reggio or whatever comes and says, hey, we want you, if you have your dragons, we want you to come and live with us forever and just protect us once in a while. And uh, Damon, and you can see Damon and and Lena's marriage is not doing so well. Damon's kind of off in his own business, but he won't admit as to why, which is that he really misses Westeros. But Lena's child uh, had probably has the same situation as Emma's child did, in that it was breached; she couldn't get it to come out, or. In the books, it's a slightly different situation as far as that birth goes. Uh, so the uh, whatever their equivalent of the maester is over there in Essos says, this is beyond my knowledge. I don't know what to do about this. And um, then Damon is presented with the same choice that Viserys was regarding Emma. And that uh, was really amazing um and i love the way that all of this stuff just keeps coming around as they say well not as they say as i say the magic has a plan the magic always has a plan uh but one of the things that i did love is in the books lena's childbirth ends up killing her and i guess you could say technically in this way it did too but they gave her the fact that she is in command of the largest dragon in the world right now, and probably the oldest at this point, uh, Vagar. And she wants to die a death of a dragon rider. She says that to Damon earlier in the episode, and uh, she ends up doing that. Uh, and man, the emotion that I felt as Vagar is, is looking at Lena and just basically trying everything that Vagar can do to resist her command. It doesn't want to kill her. Uh, just absolutely amazing. I loved that. Uh, when HBO, when these Game of Thrones franchises decide to do emotional moments between a dragon and a dragon rider, they really do it well. And I'm going to bring up a sore point uh, for everybody, but I'll tell you what. When uh, Drogon uh, was nudging Daenerys uh, in season eight of Game of Thrones, man, uh, that really got me, you know. And here, Vagar is basically the same way. It's denying that uh, he doesn't want to kill Lena. And Lena, finally, uh, the command just is too strong. And... And Vagar, Vagar sees how much she is suffering, I think. Um, in the story, Fire and Blood, uh, it's said that she 
uh, tries to get on Vagar one more time to ride him, but dies before she gets to him. I thought that this fitting end was much more fitting and dramatic. I don't even think that it happens in the same place. I think it's it's not in Essos, but I think it's back on Driftmark or something like that uh, where all of this occurs. Don't mind that at all. If people are going to try and gatekeep on stuff like this, uh, you still get the emotion of it all. And I love the way that they tied it into their own story with Ama and Viserys with Damon and, and uh, Lena in terms of a decision being made and how one made the decision and the other did not. All of that was beautiful. What else do I have to say about this? The kids are fantastic. I think I said that already, but I, I'm loving these kids. Um, the new Lenor is fine. I have no problem with him. Uh, Emma Darcy, they are doing fantastic uh, as Rhaenyra. The, the birth scene for Rhaenyra, I had to look at that character and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm seeing that exact same look as I did with Emma when Emma was struggling uh, with childbirth. And the fact that it starts off dark and you can just hear a few sounds and then it creeps in again, a similarity, no music um, during some of it. And that was amazing as well. Very effective to sometimes where you don't put music can be just as effective as where you do. Um, I'll have lots to talk about musically uh, in our Thursday podcast when I do my musical analysis. Uh, what else? Uh, I didn't have a problem with the 10-year time jump. I thought all of that was was fine. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Laris does next. Um, Olivia is doing a fantastic job as Allison too. It is so hype. It is so magnified up. And again, I can explain it. A 10 year jump, all of these feelings towards Rhaenyra would magnify, but she's like taking over the council more or less the small council. She's really emphasizing things and she's standing up to Viserys uh, by saying things like, I will never allow this betrothal uh, with uh, Helena and Jace. So I, they've really amped up the fierceness of Allison almost to the point where it, it feels slightly different. Um, again, I can see where the progression would be, but I don't know that, uh, that it wasn't just a little bit as smooth a transition, let me say, uh, for the Allison character between Emily Carey and Olivia Cook as it was for the Millie Alcock to Emma Darcy uh, transition. That felt much more smooth. And maybe it was just because of the way that they made Rhaenyra look in terms of uh, the comparison to Emma at the very beginning of the episode. I just felt like, oh, yeah, this is all family. And Rhaenyra is just older. So... Loved all of that. Don't know that I have anything else to say. I suppose I should give the episode a rating. I'm going to give it 9 out of 10. Uh, just a straight 9. I want to give this some room to grow with this new cast. Um, there were some things that I could be kind of nitpicky about, I suppose. But why? 
why do you want to hear that? Uh, if you're looking for hate, I mean, go somewhere else. That's all I got to say about that. If you have thoughts about this episode, about the new castings, about the time jump, about Laris, about the fact that we've now have no hand of the king and it probably will be Otto who will be returning. Any of that stuff that you want to talk to me about, feel free to do so at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod on Twitter. Send emails to Matt's on a blog at gmail.com. You can also leave comments on our web postings or use the contact form at mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S, audioblog.com. Or you can leave comments on our YouTube videos. If you happen to uh, stop by our YouTube, please, please subscribe and hit the like buttons on those videos and leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say and we will share anything that you send to us as long as you get it to us by uh, 5 p.m pacific time on tuesdays it will make the thursday or the later week editions of the podcast but if it doesn't make that deadline we'll still include it the next time around the next time we have a podcast i'll be sure to share what you thought uh, we also, just as a little bit of news, we have three people, three now, who have successfully named all five scenes f- from a Westerosi movie or Westerosi scenes from a movie or whatever. Uh, we have three, but you still have time to enter. Later this week, when we do our later week podcast, you will hear all five scenes once again. So you don't have to go back looking through old episodes to find the individual five scenes. You can send all of your guesses at once. You can send them one at a time if you want up until October 10th, midnight, wherever you are on October 10th. And then we want you to have named the actual movie that our Westerosi scene is derived from and tweaked a little bit to be Westerosi. And that winner will win uh, something from the Warner Brothers official store for House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones, if you still prefer Game of Thrones stuff, on me. It won't cost you anything. It won't cost you to ship it. it. won't cost you anything. I'll need a little bit of information from you, like what size shirt you wear, if you want a shirt or whatever, and where to send it to. Uh, but I'll contact you if you are the winner. You can't win if you don't enter. So please enter. Uh, Again, there are five scenes. And now, because we have three who have already gotten it right already, we still have like six out there who either haven't submitted the fifth one or have gotten one of the earlier ones wrong. By the way, I will send you an email back. And if you have something wrong, I'll say try again. Or if you have it right, I'll tell you ding, 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 ding. I'm just keeping track of all of it on a spreadsheet. And so far, I've got several who have four out of five right, but I do have three that have five out of five right. And currently, you have to have five out of five right in order to win. But I allow you to resubmit. You know, if you feel like you got one wrong or I've told you that you got one wrong, resubmit. And uh, once you have the right one, then, you know, if you've got all five, you will be entered into the contest. I've rambled enough on enough about all of that again please subscribe to our youtube channel please subscribe to our podcast audio wise wherever you're getting it we you can get it in a lot of places 
but that would really help us. And as I reminded you, you don't support us financially. We won't accept any money from you. It's the way we keep our integrity around here. Although I'm sure that my co-host would rather I slip them a few bucks uh, if they would, you know, show up more often or whatever. But I'm not going to do that either. What I have to do is just say, I need you to pay me back by sharing our podcast with other listeners. Tweet about it. Facebook about it. Do whatever you want. Share the links. Tell people about our podcast. If you like it, we need more people involved in our community so that we hear from more of you, so that we get a greater variety of ideas, so that we can discuss them, because that's what it's really all about. We want a community where everybody discusses every episode, not where I give you answers that are likely wrong sometimes about things. It's not why you come here. You come here so that you can yell at me as I'm saying things going, that's not right, Matt. That's just not right. That's what you want to do. And we want to hear from you when you feel that way too. Uh, I've already given you all the podcast information and I've rambled enough. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you later this week with our full panel podcast. Take care.